episode of death by nuance yes welcome i'm so excited for this moment the excitement in this room is palpable if only you could see our setup is really hilarious right now we're sitting (laughs) across the way from each other opposite ends of the polar vortex yeah what a fucking headache it was to get this mic situation figured out reddit was no help youtube was no help yeah we just but we're anyways, freestyling right now. Yeah. Also, notice how my my um little sound waves are like so small. <laughs> Baby I have sound. I have a I have an indoor voice, permanent indoor voice. When I order at Chipotle, I have to enunciate and like lift my little head above the glass so they can hear me. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> have you seen that picture of Obama ordering a Chipotle and he's like pointing over the thing? Like, hey, get behind the glass. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it, but I'm imagining it right now. It's like it's like when Obama went to Flint, Michigan and like fake drank a sip of the water. He went to (laughs) he went to Chipotle to prove that there wasn't actually E. coli and America was safe again to eat Chipotle. Presidents have the dummiest jobs ever. I don't understand it. No, literally. Dance puppet dance. They just put you on a stage. I could fake sip water. I just nobody asked me. <laughs> this is so good. We don't have the social capital yet. <sighs> Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby voice waves. Baby, Baby steps. Voice. <laughs> Baby voice waves. Okay, welcome everybody to the first episode of Death by Nuance. Woo-hoo. I am one of two hosts. I'm. My name is Hajj. Hi, Hajj. Um, both of our first names are three consisting of three letters so that was Hajj and I'm Dia the second host um yeah and together we host Death by Nuance DBN yeah I mean it kind of came about organically our nicknames right because it's just like the first three letters of our first names first three letters of our (laughs) yeah Hajj and Dia (laughs) oh yeah. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> I'm okay, okay. okay. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. So, if to give you a glimpse, we are sat here in... By the way, I'm Hajj. Did we already say that? I'm Hajj. I don't know, but she's Hajj and I'm Dia. And remember that, okay, by the way. Don't assign forget. this voice. We're going to keep yeah. reminding you. Yeah, by the way, (laughs) so we're sitting in my bedroom in the suburbs of Northern Virginia at this current moment. The weather outside is like 98 degrees Um, and we are sat on the floor with our computers and mics propped on like two Ikea little fucking tables. It's it's nice, right? This setup. It's gorgeous. 
I feel so comfortable right now. Um, but you keep avoiding on. eye contact with me. What's up with that? Oh, sorry. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, um, trying to focus. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm on two pillow, leaning on two pillows. It's so comfy. Yeah, this is actually really comfy. Sitting on the floor is so underrated. Like the back, su- natural back support. I'm like very. I could put my legs out, sit, crisscross. I can do whatever. What would you do if I just started laying on my tummy and kicking my my feet? I mean, do you? Whatever, <laughs> whatever feels more most natural and most comfortable. Uh, yeah, I'm in your I'm in your domain right now. I'm not of these ends, as in, I'm from the M part of the DMB, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, Blade really put Virginia on the map. <laughs> <laughs> he did low key Virginia Inya. Virginia. Virginia, I'm in you. Virginia is for lovers. Do you feel the love? I do. I do. Despite the distance between us. Yeah. Well, we are, in in the truest sense, a DMV love story. Um, To give you some uh, insight into how we met and our origin story, <laughs> if you will, that brought us to this fateful, fateful point in time. Um, Dia and I... Dia's from Maryland, and I'm from Virginia, and we both met at uni uh we both went to uh, george washington university in dc um and we met how did well the first time we met was freshman year um like first semester of freshman year and just to give you a bit of insight my freshman year like the entirety of it well almost all of it with the exception of like the later end of second semester was absolutely miserable i was depressed i had like no friends and i hated it i thought about transferring out um but we met through a mutual friend um and where did we go we went to that one restaurant in dc that like just does macaroni and cheese it's like kind of gross but do you remember it yeah i remember um that was a silly day okay let me just say it was i was in a silly goofy mood that day and uh, yeah i don't know i i get kind of nervous when i meet people for the first time but i was i wasn't really truly that nervous that day um and yeah i we started hanging out a lot after that like every day yeah because we had a class together (laughs) yeah we, we did have a class together but so we we got introduced by a mutual friend who has since been axed she's a freaking weirdo um <laughs> well she's probably not listening to this um but yeah unless, she's, but yeah unless yeah all i'm gonna say is don't trust girls who are like very super friendly and nice f- like enthusiastically out of nowhere to everybody because it's never sincere oh yeah just a bit of wisdom there it's true um but uh yeah okay so we met right then I literally saw you on campus one day. I think I was like walking to or from class and I saw you and I waved at you. And I think you saw me, but you just looked away and it was so. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like we made eye contact and maybe you didn't like recognize me or something. But I was just like, damn, all right. This was pre-COVID. So, I mean, I- I'm a shy person. So true. true, true, true. So maybe I got shy in that moment but and you looked down you looked away 
<laughs> slice of life. What was I wearing? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. But um, this was uh, sophomore year. No, this was freshman year, 2019. Because uh, remember, then, yeah. yeah, so then second semester in the spring, we had a class together. We had international politics. Yeah. Intro to international politics or comparative uh, politics? I think it was comparative because I never took international politics. I switched okay, out of yeah, that. Yeah, it was comparative politics. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which was, like, some total bullshit. It was, like, it's, like, one of those big... um like 100 person lecture hall classes that like is a prereq for a lot of different majors which by the way i majored in political science and sociology and dia you started off yeah i started off uh studying international affairs and uh with a concentration in latin <laughs> i don't know why i'm going really deep into it but <laughs> with a concentration in latin american hemispheric studies and then i was like okay yeah this is really but bad it's fancy. And I don't like it. I, I didn't really like it because I hated econ, first of all, uh, macro, micro, both of them I hated so much. And then I didn't really like um, the way that we were being taught. So switched out of that. Um, like, you know, la- it's crazy. Second, second half of the semester to yeah. peace studies and journalism. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peace talk soon. Peace talk soon. But you know what's so crazy? You're mentioning econ. I I had to take econ as well. My f- no, I didn't even have to. I I chose to do it my first semester because I thought I wanted to be an econ major. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. I wanted to double major in econ and political science because I was like, yeah, I'm I'm a Marxist. I love political economy. And then I took a intro. To- <laughs> first of all, I did awful in the math placement exam. I fucking suck at math, so I did so bad on the math placement exam. So I had to. I didn't even get put into intro econ i got placed into the like class they put you in before they throw you in there so they make sure you're ready and it's just straight up math oh wait like fundamentals and fundamentals i was in that class too (laughs) do you remember the ta tyler or something he was so hot i do he um was like a younger guy he was young yeah 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 yeah. and he was so mean he was so mean like he had nothing for it he was very serious fellow it was it was hot and then he would try to like joke with us like he would tell like one joke to be like see i'm not mean in the beginning of class and like all the girls loved him but um for that one experience to be in his his class honestly it was worth it but um yeah i think thank god i didn't do econ because i realized it just wasn't for me um that class was really fun though don't you remember uh, um, comparative politics. Yeah, like in in the discussion sections, yeah. we used to just like fuck around. Yeah, I would sit um in the back. We would come in late a lot. I remember, and we would just sit in the back and like you would play Tetris, and then every once in a while would raise your hand and say something really pertinent. Is that how you say it? <laughs> I don't know, but it was some. It was like um. The stuff we were learning was like, uh, Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East, and like, um, we were learning the freedom. What's it called again? It's like oh, the freedom, yeah, the freedom and democracy index or whatever, and um, freedom house map. The, the like freedom the house color-coded, map. Yeah. yeah, total bullshit. It's like it's fake. It doesn't make any sense. 
it's all fake it's all fake uh, i remember like the i mean it's like the fundamentals and of course this is the stuff they instill in you we learned stuff about like the resource curse which is like it it basically goes that like any country in the global south that's blessed with like natural resources or whatever is preordained to just mismanage their you know yeah. squander their blessings or whatever and end up in poverty and and in debt because that's just the way the cookie crumbles which is obviously so orientalist so racist and it like totally evades any like confrontation with neocolonialism or like the imf or the world bank or anything like that um but like that's the type of stuff that we're, we were taught and it was really really frustrating to to go into those types of classes knowing that it's like total bullshit but like you kind of have to do it for a grade mm-hmm. and um but yeah I think we could do like a whole episode going into our experiences at GW because it's like actually a fucking headache it is it's a lot um and I feel like at least for me my experience was defined by uh that moment where I was like questioning um what what I was doing and like the role that GW has in creating people that further I guess perpetuate the harm that the U.S. does abroad and um I was like seriously questioning my place at that school and in life and then we uh we started doing work for we started organizing around uh anti-imperialism yeah i mean it was it was like the i have to say that like one two well two things really made my college experience with all of its you know fucking ups and downs just totally redeemable and and like something that i actually found joy and purpose in it wasn't the academics it wasn't school i can count like on one hand the amount of like actually you know, intellectually stimulating classes or experiences I've had at GW. It was honestly being friends with Dia, finding Dia, um, and organizing through um, Students Against Imperialism, which we literally, like, founded halfway through our sophomore years, just, like, because we had been organizing a lot in Students for Justice in Palestine. Um, And that was crazy. That experience was crazy because everybody used to be, like... um, the Zionists that wanted us dead would be like, well, why are you singling out Israel? Like, um, the only Jewish state in the world. And we were like, well, the principles of Israel are settler colonialism and violence and apartheid. It's any country that operates like that we're against. And I had, like, explaining that we hate America just as much as we hate Israel. And so then we were like, why don't we just have an organization that does it all? So then that's kind of where side came from and i'm sure we're gonna be like talking about it more i think we should do like an entire episode big long story timeline and there's so much to go into it there there's no way there's so much lore there's so much lore attached hodge and dia lore hodge and dia lore psy lore uh gw lore gw lore yeah but gw is gonna come up a lot because yeah yeah gw is let me tell you it's an awful we can move on from that but it like awful awful place gw is the largest landlord in dc after the federal government imagine the most annoying person in your high school class whose mom told them once that they could be president one day and they actually believe it um 
times a hundred. Like those are all the types of kids who are you're surrounded yes. with constantly, who like open their mouths and say nothing, but insist on speaking and sharing their stupid little opinions on foreign politics. <laughs> um, and yeah, everybody comes there gunning for like a State Department or CIA job, and the worst part is they actually get them. Yeah, little foot soldiers. Exactly. But um, we digress. Yeah, that's kind of like our DMV love story. Obviously, there's militarist themes because (laughs) (laughs) sign of the times. Um, But yeah, we at GW, we also had a radio show called Vibe Check, which we played music. Um, We didn't like, how would you describe it? It was kind of a talk show. Yeah, I feel like we talk sometimes, but for the most part, we played music uh, around a certain theme that we picked. I still have some of our episodes, like where or like playlists that I would like put together for our episodes. Um, it was so much fun, and then we kept doing it even through the pandemic. I think it was like the fall semester, and um, it was a lot of fun. I remember, but of course, um, the studio. The studio experience was fun. Oh my god, yeah. When That was our sophomore year when we were in the studio, which was like, they had a cute little setup. We would be live on air where people could like stream in. Um, and we had like a, a show in the middle, like in the middle of the day. I think it was like on a Wednesday or Thursday. And since it was before 8 p.m., we couldn't play any words with like uh, profanity. But we, obviously, we were listening to like Young Nudie and stuff. And it would just be like really bad. Um, they got mad at us we had strikes we had strikes we were yeah on probation we were on probation they tried to cancel us but then the <laughs> pandemic canceled us all <laughs> yeah you know divine intervention or something but no so that that kind of gives us uh a little bit of a foundation for what we're doing yes, right now yes, yes um we're naturally really like how do how do I word this? We we're very Curious? creative. Oh, creative! Yes, that too. That too. Yeah, we just we create a lot of like stuff. I I detest the word content, so I don't want to say that. We're content but, creators and vibe curators. Yeah, we're like creative directors, and just content <laughs> creation collective, and like that's what we're doing with Death by Nuance. No, we like, uh, we like Dia's fucking insane fucking sick at graphic design and like animations and <gasps> stuff like that and we write articles a lot um on what's going on in the world and we had our little radio show we've just very we're just very vocal people you know like we just have a lot to say and think and um after we graduated this was kind of like a no-brainer like duh we're get- duh. there's too many doctors in the world not enough DJs and podcasters. <laughs> we need to talk about the political and economic state of the world. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, whoa. It's just like, um, I don't know. We always have a lot to say about stuff. Why not just say in front of a mic? Um, and I, I don't know. Everything I do with Hajj is so fun. I want to invite um, people into our, our world. Just a, just a glimpse. And... Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited to talk about stuff uh, on a public platform. 
Why not? Yeah, this is going to be so <laughs> exciting. I'm really excited because I mean, I'm sure like it's such a it's such a common thing these days with young people. They're like having a conversation with their friends and like, "Dude, we're so profound. We should start a podcast." But no, actually, maybe you should and like let let the court of the public opinion be the judge about like whether or not what you have to say is I mean, it doesn't even that's the thing like with death by nuance, I guess, our ethos if you will we're not trying to be like particularly inflammatory or contrarian or like insightful yeah i hope it is um death by nuance is basically like just channeling our interests and our passions and like everything that we're generally into through um this platform so that like more people can kind of tap into it maybe grow learn we want to challenge people um and it's called death by nuance for a reason. I think we're both naturally pretty exploratory and like diplomatic mm. thinkers. I think um like as easy as it is to fall into dogma now these days with like political opinions and like everybody posting online. I think something that D and I our brain are like brains complement each other in a very like great way in the sense that like we like to explore things with like multiple sides and not necessarily jump to make a value judgment um which is so nuanced of us. it's so nuanced of us and i think it's very valuable um about a very valuable thing to have especially now um yeah because uh, nobody talks about nuance anymore nobody talks about nuance anymore <laughs> We want to kill you with our nuance. Essentially, yeah, we want to. There's so much nuance and there's so many sides to every issue and it's debilitating and paralyzing and we want to kill you with this option paralysis of intellect. Um, <laughs> that doesn't even make any fucking sense. I'm also really good at just saying words. Oh, we should talk about our astrological yeah, compositions. And then it'll all make sense. <laughs> yeah, then, then now you'll know why we did um a fucking podcast because we can't shut up ever yeah or me in particular okay i'll go first okay go ahead okay i am a virgo sun gemini rising pisces moon my mercury is in libra um my mars is leo and my venus is in libra in my fifth house by the way also my gemini rising is in my first house and i have a gemini stellium <laughs> and if that means anything to you <laughs> yeah that that was a lot you went in really into detail okay i'll just tell you the ones i know off the top of my head because i don't know too much but i'm a libra sun i'm a taurus moon i'm a scorpio rising and my my venus is also in scorpio and i think there's three placements that are scorpio i have a scorpio stel- stellium is that what it's called Yes, you do. Yes. I just told you about that. I literally yes. was like looking at your chart the other day. I was like, dude, you have a Scorpio stellium. That that was crazy news to me because I I know that like astrology is more than just like your top three signs and more than just your sun sign and everything matters um, in, you know, where everything is in terms of houses and stuff. But I never really uh, looked into it too hard. So to me that's like whoa scorpio to me it's it says intuition 
it says mysteriousness. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I It definitely gave me a little more to think about in terms of my personality and stuff and identity and values. Yeah. What else? Um, Your Mars? My Mars is in Virgo. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? I'm analytical about my yeah. aggression. But I have road rage. Where's you that do. you have road rage <laughs> yeah you know but like mars is a planet of aggression and like passion and also ambition so oh okay yeah, for, that's a really good sign to have in terms of like and leo as well leo's a fire sign and it's very aggressive almost too aggressive i think i can be pretty um tunnel vision when i want to go after something but speaking of road rage how was your drive down here dude it was so stressful. I've li- I've been waiting to talk about it because you're like, wait, let's put a pin in it. Uh, let's talk about it yeah. on the mic. So yeah, um, I left my house pretty quickly because I was already running late. Another thing is I run pretty late all the time. I'm on Dia time, and for that I apologize. <sighs> yeah, I feel like that's especially annoying to Virgos. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm always well, late. I'm I'm like also on hodge time so that's true that's true um but yeah oh wait a future employers if you're listening to this i'm actually always on time anyways <laughs> um yeah so i left my house pretty quickly um on the opposite end of the dmv so it was quite the trek and then i think it was a combination of like you know traffic and the fact that there are accidents on the highway that just made the traffic so horrendous and I'm so impatient, so I was getting stressed out trying to, like, weave through traffic, basically. Uh, Yeah, and then I get really angry sometimes because it's just, like, when you're in a car, all you see is car. You don't think there are people in there with families. You're just, like... (laughs) I don't see you. I dehumanize (laughs) every other person on the road. I dehumanize every other person on the road because... I just see car and so I get mad I'm like why are you being dumb right now why can't you be as smart and perfect as me but yeah I don't know (laughs) no dude that that is that is actually like a symptom of like severe alienation of modern existence like we're all so compartmentalized in our little vehicles we're all going the same fucking direction like I was talking to my mom about it the other day I was like this is all city planning and like oh yeah gas prices dude we started talking about gas prices because I recently I got a car for graduation shout out my big sis I love nepotism um (laughs) so yeah I got a car and it's so it's so fucking insane because I got a car and I just had to pay for the inspection and like the re-registration and now I'm driving I have a whip at a point in time where gas prices have never been higher yeah so true and so bad for the planet as well so bad for the planet I mean yeah that's what I was saying to my mom basically I was like conveniently we have like an economy that's rooted in oil we fight wars for oil and it kills the environment it's destructive it's you know it makes all of our cities so fucking hideous because so hideous yeah and and even if like it didn't really hit me until i moved back um from london where like everybody just takes the bus or the tube or whatever um that when you drive everywhere from school to work to the grocery store you live such an like insular like isolated 
life like you're you're, there's no communal whatever there's no communal area like there's no you know nobody's like there's no public spaces the exactly yeah, yeah the privatization of public spaces uh people can't hang out they can't just hang out because it's loitering and yeah it's really by design it's very um it's very bad it's awful yeah and the metro system here isn't very good either i mean like the the metro cars like if you look at it they literally look like they're stuck in the 70s sometimes you'll get the new advanced ones but like it's crazy that like and and then now like i think because of the pandemic a lot of like I, I feel like America is really using the pandemic as an excuse for our, like, decrepit infrastructure. Because <laughs> now trains, dude, have you noticed trains run every, like, 15 minutes or 20 minutes? So, yeah, it's totally unreliable. It's not efficient in the richest, in the capital of the richest country in the history of the world. Go figure. But, um yeah, so I've been driving and gas prices are not, I mean, it's it doesn't take that much to fill up my tank because it's like a little car. But it's insane, like, it's looking like it's only going to go up. In California, it's, like, $7 a gallon, which is, like, insane. Yeah, it is. It is really crazy. And, um, I don't know, it doesn't leave people with a lot of options because everybody needs a car because the the way that cities are set up and public transportation is not good. It's unreliable. And it also, that's getting expensive in some places, too. So it's just not looking good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting to see politically how everything is kind of going down in America at this current moment, which, again, not to take advantage, not to make a spectacle of crisis, but this is all very good for our, our podcast. <laughs> Supply chain <laughs> a shortages. A lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, like, it's crazy. If you just look on the news, it's, like, regardless of, like, politics and which is really kind of just like in america let's be honest virtue signaling and like fake fake outrage and you know culture wars if you look at it like the the news about what's going on right now um with the exception of like mass shootings well honestly mass shootings in and of itself um supply chain shortages gas prices uh it does strike the recession literally like the impending recession it does strike fear into literally every single working class american regardless of like what you think or feel about certain certain parties which yeah i don't know if it's um it's obviously not good (laughs) Mm. but i i think maybe it'll be like a moment of like a mask off moment or maybe like yeah, but oh, oh. that's what we thought about the pandemic being a mask off moment. I remember there was a period where I was like, well, okay, it was. <laughs> it was a mask off moment, but like the amounting to what? Like and I don't know. Yeah. Well, dude, that's the thing about America. It's like with with every crisis and every like fucked up thing that happens to the working class, you're like, "Oh, this will do it. This will wake people up." And like it but it rarely ever does you know like yeah if you think about 2008 like the the inherently like radicalizing potential that that financial crisis had and now we're gearing up to go into another one um i don't know dude we were we were literally children during our baby's first baby's first economic economic crash (laughs) i don't remember anything truly about that um like uh i was 
I don't know, my my childhood is a blur. But um sorry, this is kind of changing gears a bit, but I have to ask what do you th- wh- wh- what do you think do you think that that capitalism is like going to f- um like fall on its own like nat- naturally and or do you think that um I don't know where do you stand on that do you think that it's like these obviously all of these things are just like prolonging its um gradual decline right but where do you stand on that do you think um yeah because i know that you're you're reading mark fisher's like what is that and i just yeah capitalist realism yeah i just started that um well okay the trajectory of capitalism and it's like you know eventual demise it's um inherent demise is is something that like within leftist circles is like constantly debated yeah. and like you have you have different like types of people like um leninists who believe that there's there's like a critical moment uh like a alignment of you know political and economic and just like working class the conditions, conditions. align yeah the conditions align and fortuitously for like a revolution or a collapse of the existing economic system in the Russian Revolution that was uh, World War One um, that brought in brought about the demise of like the Tsarist regime, but then you also have like Maoists and other like kind of third world revolutionaries who fall under the um, line of thought that you don't it's it's not like a, a necessarily a waiting game for revolutionary conditions to arise. Um, it's it's like a you you kind of take advantage of it and you build those conditions and the moment arises when you decide it does and you build the like uh, effectual revolutionary capacity to do it um and then you have like crazy people like accelerationists who are like yeah we need need four more years of trump and then when it gets really bad that's when things are you know like kind of like tough love type of like yeah you you have to be at your at your very what is it bottom yeah, you have to hit rock bottom. Rock bottom. You have to hit rock bottom. That's that's what I was thinking about. Um, but what I will say, I don't believe that crisis is um, something that will accelerate the collapse of capitalism, and that it's something that like we should like in a odd masochistic way look forward to or none of that I, honestly if you understand capitalism you know that crisis is literally an inherent feature of it yeah it's a function exactly. of it. Yeah. yeah i mean every 10 years we're kind of overdue for one 10 to 15 years capitalism exists um uh, sorry crisis exists in capitalism because of its inherently unsustainable nature right the profit motive can only go so far you can only chase so many goods and commodities and markets right. Yeah, and a lot of this is fake. You know, look at the stock market. Look at, you know, Bitcoin and everything that's accumulating. It's bound to collapse inevitably because of its. It's like a shark in the water. Like it, it, it goes until it can't, and then when it does, inevitably like collapse or crash, like it did with the global financial crisis of two thousand eight with the housing market. Um, what you see happening is. Uh, the working class bearing the brunt of the fallout and these um, too big to fail institutions like Wall Street and these um, bankers and finance being bailed out 
by the state apparatus, by the political classes in the like global financial elites effectively walk away so i don't think that it's a necessarily like promise it could be promising i think like if we have uh what was that um that protest group from 2008 the wall street um are you talking about like they the camped out. Group. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> what, what, what whoa, mean? history moment. Uh, Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. There we go. <laughs> Fucking brain fart moment. It's okay. I was a baby. It was baby's first baby's crisis. First I don't crisis. remember. Yeah. yeah, Occupy Wall Street. If we have that times a thousand, maybe more organized, it could be promising. We could fundamentally reorient whatever that exists i wrote a paper uh a marxist analysis of the global financial crisis basically explaining how it happened um and i would hope to go into it i think we definitely need to yeah, do a whole no, episode definitely. analyzing this like economic oh. nightmare oh, gas prices uh, gas prices biden Biden. but and then the cultural the cultural dimension of it too the cultural yeah, yeah the cultural dimensions but it, but the crux of my argument in the paper is essentially that um capital was just doing what capital does uh accumulating exponentially and adopting ever riskier practices in its path towards exponential um accumulation and the fallout is almost always going to be uh at the hands of the global elite but at the expense Expense. of the working class and um regardless if you have like a liberal in office or whatever i mean like it doesn't change the no, the, fu- the fundamental yeah. structure which is we we're not humans we're not like you know like this this i don't know how to word it. this economy doesn't work for us no it doesn't it doesn't work with us in mind and uh i wrote like a similar paper kind of touching on um the stabilizing elements of capitalism that happen at the expense of like working class people and how they're they're like you said they're like built in um and then also the path that we're on it's like <laughs> oh i don't know everything nothing Bitcoin, takes into account nothing takes into account blockchain. people or what they need um yeah yeah there's exactly no, uh, there's no like accounting for for human dignity or doing what's right for people in the long run so yeah when or all like, these things happen people won't have um well i don't know let me not be like so cynical yeah. yeah but that's 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 it yeah dude and i I, like again we should do an entire episode this is just a warm-up but like this is kind of what, what we want to talk about this like uh like dark tech uh evil hellscape we live in with like like financial innovations that are literally evil and are not for the betterment of the humanity but like 
in an acceleration of its decline so we can all be replaced by robots <laughs> sentient robots sentient ai oh. ai okay wait let me just deviate one once more okay what do you think about the wall-e uh generated ai images okay they've been popular on twitter oh dolly dolly yeah yeah the dolly it's fucking hilarious so funny oh my god 9-11 gender reveal osama bin laden rupaul's drag race co-host who's who's thinking these things up i don't know okay so i did try to i tried to do the generator but it was like yeah high too traffic. many people too many people that's what it said for me too but also like i don't think i'm creative enough to like think of something super funny like i don't think so either i thought um the ones brooks posted were funny shout out brooks shout out brooks shout out brooks big ups i follow that account that um is weird dolly generator and i think there's like a subreddit on twitter jesus crucifixion as a fortnite event hilarious it's really funny because then they can have like you can have some like certain artist depictions of like an event mm-hmm. they're just creating something out of something tony soprano yoshimaru no that's so crazy no i just came up with that right now that would be oh. <laughs> babies robbing a gas station uh mashups upon mashups fisher price my first bulletproof vest oh Oh. gotta have it watch that actually exist yeah maybe maybe these tech ai deep fake things are if we can can get a little giggle out of it then we can get (laughs) yeah they have their moments Voldemort getting a fade. <laughs> I saw that one. Just the edge up, please. Damn, that kind of took a turn. We got so depressing with the economy. Sorry yeah, to talk we about did. Oh, sorry. sorry. Always be talking about inflation, babe. You know, you know, I always talk about inflation. Yeah. I'm always talking about the economy because it's like it, it's just on my mind. Ever present. Ever present. Just rocking Everything. back and forth. Everything is so much money. And then, I don't know, I, I'm i having a hard time right now because we're in our youthful era and uh, yeah, how to have fun without feeling bad. I don't know. Um, not it's, that. Uh, it's, like, lame. It's so lame. It's, like, such a downer, you know, because, like, we just graduated and... yeah. But then now we're thinking about like entering into the job market. We'll talk about this more again with the recession um, episode, the recession <laughs> core. Recession <laughs> core episode. Well, everything. This whole podcast is recession core, low key. If we think about this point in time, but um, the Federal Reserve basically raised interest rates by 075 percent, I believe, to combat inflation, which is the only thing the stupid ass Federal Reserve can do: either raise or lower the inflation yeah. rate, print more money. Um, which is going to make it awful, totally awful for uh, people who have uh, federal loans, student loans, which is like basically a bunch of young people in America, if not the majority, um, right. which 
they they're not making them pay back student loans just yet, are they? No, Is no, pause? not yet. I I think so. I guess I would have. Let's not think. Hey, let's not think about oh, it. I'm let's getting block scared. it out. Don't, 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 don't. But um, on the bright side, it's crazy with inflation. I don't understand the fucking economy. Sorry to give you the impression that I do, but there's a lot I don't understand, and I try to make sense of it. But then other times I buy demand. Uh, yeah, ignorance is bliss. But um, the U.S. dollar seems to be doing good globally, and I know this because um, my mom was telling me that the dollar is strong in Pakistan at the moment. Um. Shout out PK, big ups. Um, and basically, when the when the dollar goes up or the dollar um, is strong, all the prices just raise because global hegemony, USD mm. hegemony. But I do know that the euro and the US dollar are about to reach parity for the first time in like a long time. What is that? What is that? Parity means they're about to be equal. So the oh. yeah. So the U.S. dollar, I mean, the euro is more than the dollar. I think it's like one point, used to be 1.5 or something. I know the U.S. dollar to the British pound was 1.37, or at least when I was there. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, that conversion rate used to beat my ass. Like, I would be spending like 20 pounds thinking, oh, this is just $20. And then, no, it's more like 30. You're just like adding. <gasps> yeah. Wow. Yeah not fun but i didn't get the memo that you we were supposed to go on a euro tour right after we graduated because everybody's on vacation right now mm -hmm. i'm saying um yeah i didn't get the memo either but uh trip will be had trip will be had i know people who like their vacation planning method is kind of like seeing where the u.s dollar is the strongest <laughs> and like foreign economies that have been like you know going through going through it um they vacation where the u.s dollar is strong i mean it's it's pretty machiavellian it's like that is strategic sinister. yeah the ethics of it are oh, questionable questionable but it's smart i guess in a sense that's true yeah hmm How's Greece doing? Greece is. Let's check in with Greece. Uh, they're they've been going through it. Maybe they're on the the other end of it. Um, I know Turkey is not doing very good. Lebanon is not doing very good. Um, but you know it's crazy. I was um watching a video of this guy. He was a former economic finance minister or whatever of greece Giannis Varouf varoufakis yes. yeah Wait. okay hold up i know this person the bald guy the bald yeah guy. where he is some insights yeah okay i actually was watching a few of his videos too in the beginning of like may because i was writing a paper on rentier capitalism but um where does he stand on the issues he stands i don't know he's he's one of those like you know uh financially left uh pro democracy euro uh, euro steppers but he <laughs> <laughs> he's euro no, style. he's interesting euro style euro hard style techno he's um 
I was okay. I was watching this video of his, and I used to watch him a lot in high school when I was like, you know, radicalizing myself through YouTube videos, not 4chan, because I'm different. But um, <laughs> he was talking about like the euro, just generally its configuration and how it was intended to be like this equal transference unit across these like broad, otherwise unconnected countries right like greece and poland what the fuck do they have in common but um it, it's like self-defeating and it is more of a hardship than it is or not like yeah i mean it's it's more of a headache than it is beneficial for a lot of these different countries with varying eco- like economic stabilities Economics. to have the same unit of um whatever so prediction of mine and we can change the topic from the economy because i know it's yeah not very slay but um i i think this impending economic collapse or global reconfiguration or whatever in the coming years of 2023 to 2024 onward i mm-hmm. think we're gonna see certain countries abandon the euro and i i suspect germany mm-hmm. maybe france um abandoning the euro oh wow Hodge prediction Hodge prediction number one yeah. interesting i don't know too much Food about the, i don't know too much about euros or the political economy but uh, i trust your your insight i feel like if it's not beneficial why have it get rid of it yeah but then th- that's the thing like that's like when you try to like do a little paradigm shift in whatever it is dropping the gold standard or you know shaking shit up it just increases the volatility of the system and obviously like gives way to future collapse which nobody's trying to avoid collapse that's another thing and we'll get into this further it's just like an accepted yeah feature of our like global economic system that like collapse is gonna happen when it happens and you know we'll deal with it when we do right right but anyways did you listen to the new drake album I did, okay? I did. Um, just for some context um, and some DLR, I've been uh, Drake, the opposite of Stan. I wouldn't say a hater, uh, but I don't like Drake very much. General I indifference. G- general indifference towards Drake. Um, and I'd say I pivot um, a little bit towards the uh, Drake neutral stance and Drake supporter stance did it do it for you yeah i mean i listened to it last night there was some that was like okay i'm gonna skip seize this one um i don't know i i feel like i i can't i have to be maybe in the right in the right club with the right people (laughs) yeah yeah to get down to it to get down to it but um the song sticky was good hold on let me let me pull up the album. No, so Sticky. Say. Yeah, Sticky is my favorite. That's the one I told you to listen to. I also like Falling Back because like King him just like reference. serenading. Yeah. And and like just his anguish. Did I, you I like love when, did, which one did you like? Which other one? Falling Back and Sticky. I really like Sticky. I can get um, down to it. I mean, it's only been one day. I, I didn't give it a thorough listen through. I'm, I like Drake. I don't think there's anything wrong with it people actively dislike drake but i think it's naive to not like drake if somebody's been around for this many years right like coming up 10 years of being relevant and making consistently good 
don't put a value judgment on it. Fair. Right, right, uh, right. Popular music, you know. Future as well, Young Thug. These yeah, people are yeah, like, yeah. there's there's something inherently about them that is talented and no, for sure. something of a... I, I have nothing against... Uh, Credit where credit is due. You feel me? Credit where credit is due. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about Drake. I love BBL Drake. I love Jamaican Drake. I love Road Boy Drake. I love <laughs> Road Boy Drake. Fuck Boy Drake. I like all of his little. I love Atlanta Drake. I love when he tries to be yeah. his transracial self, a trans commute. Yeah, trans communal. He's from everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, and everything and nothing, everything and nothing. Yeah, he's he's something of a Renaissance man. I will I'll give it another listen, but I I fuck with it. I, it's gonna let me tell you one thing: it, the day in the life TikTok bitches are gonna have a field day with this album. They're gonna eat it up. They're gonna eat it up and go back for seconds because they <laughs> love this shit. They let like his little audio clips. They're gonna. And it's it's giving like Jersey Club remix, right? Little bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually saw a, a whoa. Sorry, I like move my mic really fast. Just trying to adjust it. Um, I saw a tweet that said that he dedicated the album to Virgil and like Virgil love techno uh, bouncy music. Yeah, he was a he was a DJ. I'm pretty sure. Mhm. But yeah, I I like the album. I think it was well made. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm not like a. I don't have the language. I think. To yeah, speak I like on surprise it. albums. I will say I like surprise albums because I think like lots of build up is kind of annoying. It's like. Yeah. Oh mm. yes, that's so true. I love a good surprise. Um, in a way, our it's podcast is kind of a surprise. <laughs> Soft launch. Soft launch. Right. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. In a um, sense. They didn't know it was coming. No. Until it's out. But yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's been a long time coming. And there's too many doctors in the world. Maybe I already said that. <laughs> That's okay. Say it again. There's too many doctors, too many people. <laughs> with actual tangible contributions to society what this is this is a tangible contribution to society in another way it's true yeah we need to talk about that blessings come in many forms blessings come in many forms we need art as a society and we are artists of sorts and we are right everybody else is wrong listen to us uncritically unquestionably hmm JK yeah oh um do you think just this is kind of like popped up in my head because we were talking about Drake? Um, do you think there was a lot of traffic coming into Virginia because of the something in the water festival? Uh, I didn't know that was happening until you texted me about it, to be honest. But probably, um, I don't know. All I know is that when I was driving into Virginia, there was a marine in a big truck in front of me and he kept cutting me off so fuck him (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i didn't know that was happening i thought i don't think dc is like a good place for festivals to be honest dude that's what i'm thinking this is kind of giving like uh 
little fire festival energy because i mean dc is dc is like for one it's incredibly high traffic especially i mean they're they're blocking off independence avenue which is like if you're trying to get into dc or out of dc you kind of have to go through that area like get kind of near downtown and they're blocking it off and they're turning there's like three stages i think and it's a three-day festival i think tickets are like four hundred dollars i was looking through the lineup and it's just like just r&b garden variety fucking i did see skepta and little baby and those are the only two i would probably would have wanted to see um interesting yeah like but it's it's like fucking chance the rapper and stuff it's like no nobody really do you know anyone who's going i think that's that's another thing that i'm wondering like is it is it like people are gonna be coming well coming into dc for it i mean yeah. pharrell is it's pharrell's thing he normally does it in norfolk virginia i think because he's from va oh yeah shout out two up two down but i mean they decided to do it in dc i'm sur- i'm surprised they even were allowed rosalia? to do it because rosalia no. wait was this last year or this year no this was last year this, this is virginia beach um oh virginia beach not norfolk there we go I think they're the same. Or no, they're, they're not. They're no. not? Oh. I should know, but... Virginia, India. Because one of my roommates was from Norfolk, and I just always thought that was Virginia Beach. I could be wrong. I think I think they're two different places. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like random people. Roddy Rich. <laughs> um, yeah. Lil Uzi. Mm, I mean, I'm interested just to see how it plays out but i'm not even gonna try to go into dc or like do anything yeah close to that because it's just such a fucking headache like i don't want to take public transportation like and also it's so unbearably hot like i i might have mentioned it's literally almost 100 degrees outside and i stepped out i went to the mosque today with my mom because it's friday jama mubarak um and I stepped out and like literally my back just start, like your your clothes just cling like DMV summers are uh, like awful. It's like a punishment. It's like so humid and you don't want to do anything. Ugh. I don't. I was thinking like I guess you could go to the pool, but I don't even imagine being at the pool being a pleasant experience in this weather because like you're just baking in the sun. Yeah, it's like a type of heat that's um, all-consuming and inescapable. And inescapable. It's it's like the air is thick and hot. It's a total and imposition. Yeah, I don't know. When I'm in, like, usually the summers, I one time saw, like, it's the hottest summer so far and then, like, the coolest summer compared to the summers that will follow. And that's like really. It's really like, fucking depressing. <laughs> that's really really scary and sad. But um, I don't know. I just would appreciate some rain, and a a nice breeze maybe. I I love summer because of the rain, um. But it hasn't rained a lot recently. Oh my god! The know. nighttime thunderstorms. Yeah. Bless. I love those. I love a good thunderstorm. 
but with the with the combination of the gas prices and the weather it's giving do not leave the house yeah it is yeah mm-hmm. which sucks because we're in our peak years our peak youth years that's what they say but i think i'm gonna start um okay i, I was talking to bella about this bella's my little sister uh i'm non-binary i go Shouts by out. they them i'm not a girl i'm not a boy i'm not anything so i was thinking what it would it be like to live your life as um age neutral like obviously the way society thinks about women specifically or like femme presenting people aging it's like after a while you know you have to try your hardest to stay young but anyways what i was saying what i was saying is like when people ask about my age i just won't tell them because that's I don't really know. smart and i forget Wait. and i have no age you know i just am me 100 percent um so yeah what would it be like to be age neutral slash forget how old you are and when people ask you don't tell them because you don't know and also i think (laughs) i don't know that's all i had no that's that's actually really interesting (laughs) but if you think about it a lot of people do live in an age neutral way like you said it is gendered for sure men exist i mean after the age of like what 23 they abandon age and in in terms of life lifestyle it's inconsequential like you know like the leonardo dicaprio types like they (laughs) do have an uh an age neutral like existence and like biologically they're not like put on a time scale and like you know this is this is your most fertile years why don't you have kids what's going on with your career but like it's very much like that for girls and i think it is like culturally gendered as fuck and I think, yeah, it's it's hard to get, it's, I mean, not hard, it's easy to get caught up on the whole, like, number thing, because, I mean, I'll give out my age. I just turned 21 last year, and I'm about to turn 22. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're American, so it is, like, a milestone when you turn 21. It's yeah, like you can, you can legally, party. you can legally drink and party and stuff now um it's but then like uh i think like 23 is actually a really good year i don't know because i i am kind of caught up in the numbers and um 21 is cool 22 i feel like that's that's kind of like a gritty year like you you stay down and you grind you you try to build something for yourself 23 i feel like is a good age in the sense that like you find a balance between like being crazy fun party animal and like having your shit about you but it's it's like a balance yeah yeah and then i think like your 20s is kind of just like you're you're coasting i always felt like 27 was the year that like is most bountiful in a sense i don't know why maybe because i've been in uh, interacting with a lot of 27 year olds <laughs> in the past year uh i just feel like that's when like the fruits of your labor like your creative endeavors kind of like take off and the seeds you planted when you were 20 to 20 yeah i agree sometimes i feel like i get caught up in the numbers too i think because a lot of people that i follow on social media are older and they're like in their mid-20s early 30s getting married have a house or not a house who has a house these days in this Um, economy 
yeah not a house but you know what i'm saying like sublet (laughs) they sublet could anyone sublet my uh apartment from june to august um but yeah (laughs) it makes me feel like i i need to get it together together right especially in the years after you graduate because it's like go dude stay my piece of advice stay the fuck off linkedin that place is so bad bad vibes bad energy low vibrational space linkedin is a low vibrational space as fuck seriously yeah because i i have to i had to make one oh because i've been applying to jobs and you, you like the whole thing is like it's like it's like a social network or it's about connections or whatever so um just seeing people that like you went to school with and like the shit that they put so much effort into their linkedin and you can't hate it you can't really hate the game you know charge no. it to the game that's what they're doing to you know but it's really easy to it's hard not to look at it and be like damn i'm, I'm really not on shit when people have like 30 internships and like whatever 300 plus connects connections yeah i'm like how do you know all these people i'm sure it is i guess fruitful if i mean everything is connections based now for jobs and stuff like there the meritocracy is long gone it's really about who you know uh but never have i felt that like urge to really like be kind of like a networking social climber in the realm of like yeah politics or whatever because it it, it just seems so antithetical to like what i'm into and like for example a lot of the experience this is something that i'm kind of like thinking about now a lot of the experience that i have in college um organizationally and like leadership and like logistically running a newsletter or like coordinating with foreign embassies to like get speakers on campus and working on contracts and all of this like really tangible like life skills mm-hmm. types of stuff types of things sorry um it's it's weird to like kind of then turn it and promote it in like a self-aggrandizing like and this is this is what makes me a better employee like it's cringe i'm too nonchalant <laughs> just you have to let them come to you accept it uh yeah no i totally get what you mean it doesn't align with your core values you're just like trust why do you need why do you need a cover letter why do you need references just Just trust me trust i have to pee really quick i have to pee really bad too okay (laughs) let's go pee really quick we both drink a lot of iced coffee we did and now my mouth is dry and i I keep having to drink water okay let's pee really quick i'm like tweaking actually Okay, go first, and I'll talk, and it'll be a surprise what I say. (laughs) Okay, hurry. Okay, while she's gone, I need to tell you guys something really important. Um, it's so important, and what I need to say is that my palms are really cold, and I'm I'm sitting here, and I'm I'm in a basement, so I know for a fact that it's cold because I'm in a basement. But I'm sitting here and I'm wondering if I'm anemic and if I have an iron deficiency because my hands are so cold and my feet are so cold. But yeah, anyways, I hope this is going well. I know we're going to edit it more and uh, chop it down because it's pretty long right now. We're looking at one hour and eight minutes and six seconds. So I know we're going to chop it up, but um, 
but yeah this is so fun i wish my 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 little sound waves were bigger maybe i need to talk louder i don't know but yeah i'm so excited i feel like talking with Haj is so much fun and I always learn a lot about her and myself and you know you just have friends that bring out the best in you and make you feel really confident and um yeah I don't know I feel like I'm really deeping that the people you keep around um are so important to how you feel and and yeah you know so I'm so excited about this. I truly know that um, I'm trying to have an approach of like just to see how it goes. I feel like I'm the type of person who's a perfectionist and I get caught up in the details of stuff. Um, I'm like have to have a hundred different things in my head done before I like even start something but I just want to see how it goes if you have that mindset grind set then you get a lot done and you get a lot of practice because you're actually doing stuff and experimenting and it's fun and it doesn't have to be scary or stressful okay gotta go pee bye okay I'm back yeah I can hear you can you hear me yes ma'am yeah. Uh, um, what was something we were, we were gonna talk about and then we we're gonna save it? Oh, tell me about the um, exhibit you went to. Oh that yes, was yes, so yes. long ago. I don't that know. That was if you so remember. long ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like every single time I like want to tell Dia something, I kind of like have an impulse now to put a pin in it because I'm like, this would be so good if we talked about it, if we explored it. Um. For the show. Okay, so anyways, the other day I was um, at the National Portrait Gallery in D.C. And I was uh, looking at like the modern art like exhibit or like the contemporary art. Um, and they have like this whole section of like mixed media art, I guess, that um, different contemporary artists I think I'm using that word right, but sorry if I'm not, I'm not like super tapped in. But um, so the ex the exhibition featured this one Indian artist. She's Indian, but she's based in America. And it was like a combination audio video um, uh, piece that featured a home camera, like a cctv-esque camera stationed in her mother's house in india mm -hmm. uh with her narrations and she's the girl is the artist is based in new york and she is like since the pandemic her mom has like kind of struggled with depression or something is what the informational bit on the um thing said so she basically watches her mom from her New York apartment just doing random stuff. And in the video that the um, installation showed was just her mom, like, sitting on the sofa and, like, just doing random stuff, like, making tea and stuff. And the craziest part to me was this, like, surveillance of her mother was being presented as, like, this, you know, 
revolutionizing the maternal instinct in the the era of like modern technology or whatever this like act of love surveillance is an act of love and i thought it was so fucked up and like it it rubbed me so wrong because not only are you just watching your mom constantly which i don't think you can liken to a maternal instinct or a maternal watchful gaze because like you your parents never had you on like a fucking twitch stream 24 7 just watching what you're doing that's not looking out for somebody but to then take that surveillance in this like bullshit diaspora yeah and like it just rubbed me so wrong and the person i was with thought it was absurd as well that like this objectively uncomfortable morally gray thing was being like i'm so far on this the motherland this is me revolutionizing my relationship with my mother and it's like whatever and it was just like no you're a freak and this isn't okay no that is top freak behavior because also i don't know like what what is your mom's role in this like your mom's obviously lonely and sad like you're putting that on display for people to interact with and a lot of those people are like gonna be white people and like tourists um and that's that's really messed up that's you see that's my issue with like diaspora art in general maybe it peeved me even more than would have otherwise because of that but it's like it's so exploitative of like an identity that let's be honest a lot of people can't even really claim to to have it's like if you're really pick piggybacking off of your parents hardships that's get get your own fucking swag like that's not those hardships are not your hardships i understand generational trauma and all of that stuff i'm a child of immigrants as well never will i make that my whole identity like yeah it's weird and it's it's like lazy honestly i i agree like i mean it's one thing to write about like your experience as an like a child of immigrants for like a college um to get into college or something but like that's that opportunism makes sense but to make it your whole career that is extremely extremely lazy and i think also um i i don't know like i understand uh if if you want to hold on to something because it's true like if you your the immigrant experience like being a child of immigrants is something kind of um unique to you probably um but i don't know it's kind of like you have to do your own thing you're kind of putting yourself in a box at that point and you're like i don't know it's like you're you owe it to yourself to to explore and like create your own identity and um add something i guess more come meaningful. on now come on now you're already I, in this country you're here now yeah, so. right you're here in the country already i don't know next step next step i don't know it's just it's like you're putting yourself in this box i guess yeah i mean but this is all coming like from somebody who doesn't make art and is just an observer i don't like to use the word consumer because not everything i think should be consumed um but yeah i don't know i also think like if i was an artist something that would really plague my mind 
my type A neurotypical mind would be like I would just constantly be paranoid about what I'm doing and whether or not it's derivative or like you know if if somebody has already done it or if yeah. somebody's doing it better or like if this yeah. is even hitting <laughs> the mark you know what I'm saying yeah like, a lot of stuff is missing the mark I don't know that's true I feel like if you're gonna there is a lot because of like social media and stuff and just how accessible everything is I feel like it's a really there's a lot of biters out there and if you're going to do it do it better or add something you know yeah yeah I think because I, think I feel like the derivative thing is kind of inevitable at some point yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I think like Grimes of all people talked about this, as Grimes? like Grimes, Grimes, silly old Grimes. Um, but they were like, y- when you put art out there, it's not with the intent, or it shouldn't be, the with the intention that it's gonna like be some super paradigm shifting, innovative, like you know, yeah, uh, like new new thing, but um that it's connecting with like a web of like mm-hmm. a legacy of like existing arts and like building on so many different types of things in like this vast web i mean that's what it that's what everything is right like mm-hmm. it kind of strikes me that people don't automatically assume that understanding of everything that they mm-hmm. do in life is not a in a vacuum of, yeah is <laughs> in yeah. a vacuum yeah <laughs> we're not in a vacuum yeah that's interesting i would never watch my mom to that extent like oh that's that's like it's giving a hamster in a cage yeah (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like oh it's crazy and then also i feel like the older generation not even just like the older immigrant generation just the older generation their grasp on like technology and stuff is is kind of limited so i feel like I don't even want to think about if they're like exploiting their lack of um, understanding or grasp of how far reaching it is and how invasive and how I don't even know. Yeah, it just feels it gives me such an icky feeling. I think it's not fair. I mean, I've definitely exploited my mom's (laughs) lack of understanding of technology towards, you know, my more sinister objectives. Not not in an extreme uh, sense, but <laughs> like if what? you know, you know, <laughs> like locations and stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Charge it to the game, you know. But uh, yeah, it it just seemed like exploit exploitative and yeah, wrong. Yeah. I I was it also reminded me of like this entire new realm of like ring camera footage, like wholesome yeah. moment. Come on, ring camera, like why are you i can't get past the initial disgust of like the fact that everybody has a ring camera now and it's like marketed as this type of i mean i get people steal packages that honestly that would blow me if i ordered something and it like got stolen because like how do you Mm -hmm. even go about getting another do you get reimbursed i don't know how it works you just have to Mm -hmm. take the l i think but the way that like ring and all of these other kind of like 
derivative surveillance tech like innovations have marketed convenience or safety or whatever to these people and like it's known that ring sells data to local police departments Yeah. yeah yeah and like just a bunch of stuff it's like very creepy and strange and like the panopticon yeah cool <laughs> yeah yeah it's really scary it's really scary because uh you're being watched all the time and uh i think it's true like the cooperation between um people ordinary citizens law enforcement and it's all under the same network or yeah. like using the same kind of digital infrastructure so um well, when it when it comes down to it, surveillance capitalism, it's if you think about it, it's not like the NSA days of like yeah, no, the Patriot Act in early two thousands, where they actually have to think of like cunning and and you know covert ways to collect all of this data on people. In this consumer economy, we willingly give away our data, in in the in the name of you know consumption one but also uh convenience face scans fingerprints very conveniently you know apple is collecting our bio data to make it easier for us to like unlock our phones oh my god what am i gonna do with the 0.5 extra seconds that i have now from (laughs) giving apple my face scan instead of typing in my password which is like um absurd but it's also like oh it's just changed in, in such a way that like s- so much of this is t- of our data is like that is the ultimate abstraction i think now we're not like we're we're all just data we're just like some vast aggregate database mm-hmm. that can be pandered to and sold and exploited and profited off of but like what can you do man yeah what can you do that's an actual question. Somebody with the answers, tell us, because we are. You can you can kind of like yeah. I guess you could block it out and just like you know. You just ca- accept it and move yeah, forward. and like, in a sense, lean into the in- insignificance of your one singular you know experience. Like oh well, what it doesn't matter. What is what my are, data? What are, yeah. Yeah. What is yeah. my data? But I mean, like, because we all think like that, then, then um, you know we're playing right into their hands we're dancing we're dancing on a string string. yeah exactly may um, it please the shareholders may it please the shareholders (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) yeah i don't know i feel like uh, people sometimes go one direction fully like uh let me delete erase my digital footprint i i do like some things but i feel like what does it even do like i use a vpn sometimes um disguise my ip address i mean i'm it's not like i'm doing anything illegal <laughs> but um but nothing, yeah nothing suspicious nothing here suspicious officer. here nothing suspicious here but no actually like i don't sometimes when i'm like on public wi-fi or something i'll turn on my vpn i'm not sure what it does you know i'm not an expert but it makes me feel safe real but, um, but i miss yeah. the, the illusion of everything is what we can give ourselves now the illusion of safety the illusion of privacy i mean that's why the illusion of stability uh, 
facts. But that's why I, like, have that thing where I am, like, morally opposed to putting any social media accounts on public because it's just, I just don't think that people should have two clicks and boom, like, full access to your life and, like, your social network and, like... Well, you can gatekeep. Um, I wish there was a way to, to like, gatekeep more, you know? Um, yeah. What if you could put your, your followers and following on private? I don't know. There's, like, layers to it. I feel like... You can do that on TikTok. Yeah, I feel like there's layers to it. Um, people sometimes... Uh, me included will only post on their close friends uh, sometimes people post on private accounts and then also people have their like internet personas that they only share certain things maybe that are like their interests but not any personal information I kind of regret putting my face on the internet I've I've been on like social media since I was like pretty young okay i was on tumblr in 2014 i've been on like social (laughs) media for a long time yeah so my face is on there a lot of personal information too i don't know my twitter's private right now but like my instagram is not and uh i don't know that shit on lock i mean i'm i'm forever a fan of like no face no case accounts like mm. uh, <laughs> my TikTok, but that's only because sometimes I like to cyber bully, just <laughs> in, in justified instances. You don't want you don't want to want them to trace it back to you. Yeah, or even if they do, I st- I stand by my words. I'm no coward, but I just also don't want to like because that's another thing too. I think like people, the the trend now exists. You can't just like share about your life and what's going on or whatever. Like it's all about virality like you want to go you want to get engagements or at least that's what tech thinks we want and like algorithms to spread our posts and stuff and like explore pages and what whatnot because if you think about in terms of social currency that's what's most rewarding right like Mm -hmm. the more followers you get the more likes so people do have a kind of vested social interest in in playing into that but um also if you're like an artist and stuff right yeah clicks and streams do kind of have tangible rewards um, rewards yeah but i i just it's also like kind of evil eye i think not to oh, be it's super, so scary yeah i know yeah dude it's so scary i don't think oh i don't think that many people were meant to like see and interact with your life i feel like certain stuff should be um and i know i'm saying this now as we're getting ready to release this on (laughs) the public but yeah i i feel like you need to be careful because uh i don't know i I, we've talked about this before and i think we're going to talk about it more on the podcast but like the cousins uh why is uh, it why is it always yeah why is it always the family back home that's doing black magic across cultures like it's always somebody you know that's just like a hating ass fucking in law yes. or something yes casting spells like yeah your own family hexing and shit and that shit does work like don't it does yeah i know don't play with that that's like <laughs> like you know for uh, a fact it does across cultures it looks different but there, there's 
it's the same. tampering in dark sided stuff. Yeah, it's scary. We need protection. We need protection. Yeah, it, look look towards God. Yeah, God's heavenly light. Yeah, I'm in a trance right now. I, you can't see, but I'm laying down and I'm staring at the ceiling in a trance because <laughs> of the lights. Yeah, we have like this light situation going on, like club party club lights in my party room club right lights. now. Unz, unz. Unz, unz, unz. But yeah, man. I mean, uh, it, you showed. I think you showed me that article or something the other day about like voice data and how that's being collected. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. I think you sent me that though. I, I think was I sent like that to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like they're collecting voice data. Um, that uh, you record your voice on TikTok. You know the, f- mm. yeah. And and through through like your voice, they extrapolate other like social. Um, what th- what are they using it for? Do you know? Fuck if I know. I mean the th- the thing about it, kind of returning to surveillance, which is I guess what we kind of got into this episode. Um, it's unavoidable, and it's it it's like a, par- a kind of a part of a social contract that you sign into when you have an iPhone or if you exist. On the literally exists yeah i mean it, no but like exists as a exists, human yeah in that's so true that's so true and i think there's definitely steps you can take to mitigate that and it, again like the illusion of privacy and the illusion of safety is not something i think there's virtue in it and i think there's not it's not something that we should kind of just like throw away Discard, with a yeah. defeatist attitude like oh if they want my facts if they want your data they probably already have it you know like we know just the tip of the iceberg about like WikiLeaks and and like also Edward Snowden in them and like Chelsea Manning and the mm-hmm. stuff that they talked about. Uh, but like I, I like kind of reject this hegemonic imposition by big tech to make yourself the most algorithmically profitable, you know, likable type of person because like you know maybe we should we should be delete and that's another thing too i was i I always had like this uh when i was younger like 18 i like so i was like entitled um (laughs) not entitled what's the word i thought i was um better than everybody else because i didn't have a facebook and i was like yeah you're just oh i like watched one documentary or read one article and i was like you guys are just giving your data to them on a silver platter and then and then Facebook That's bought funny. out WhatsApp and Instagram Ooh. and here I am still using the, those apps. So yeah. I this well, isn't you like had social media late in the game. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. I didn't I didn't have social media. I didn't get a phone until I was 16. So um yeah, I'm definitely a late bloomer in that regard. I, like I did have exposure to the internet for sure, but I just I wasn't act an active participant. Like I again, I didn't have an Instagram, and I wasn't like tweeting. Mm-hmm. Thank God I wasn't though, because my now it's like my social fo- digital footprint. Is that what it's called? Yeah, digital footprint. It's not like like yeah. for TBH. I wasn't in all yeah. that. That's so funny. You're so lucky. You're so blessed. Yeah, I, but I it was annoying know. at the time yeah. not having a phone. Yeah, I know, because everyone was probably on it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a miracle I had that. friends. <laughs> yeah. Not a miracle. I mean, I, if you know me, you know how chatty I am. And, like, yeah. I, like, I was definitely able to, like, make and keep friends just from, like, good, you know, in-person social interaction. It definitely made my life harder. My mom, the, the reason why I didn't get a phone until later in life is because um, Hodge Lore, I'm the youngest of five girls, <laughs> and um, my older sisters, there's a 10-year age gap between me and my eldest sister. Um, mm -hmm. By the time they were getting phones, it was they were in high school, and they had, like, Blackberries. And they got mm -hmm. phones, like, 10th or 11th grade. And so, like, growing up, there was always, like, this strong precedent type thing mm -hmm. that was, like, well, your sisters did this at this age, so you have to do this at this age. Or you get to, you know, whatever. But times changed a lot from when my oldest sister was in high school on Blackberries to, like, me now. Or me then, sorry. In high school where, like, everybody was doing, like, cahoots and shit. And, like, <laughs> it was, like, a big part yeah. of, you know, like, life. Yeah, I I mean I did thug it out and I think I'm better for it because I developed other interests. I mean I'm a huge uh movie enjoyer, movie consumer. I'm very into film because that's what I got into in my free time. Mm hmm And yeah, I mean it is what it is. And now I think I kind of have like a different perspective on all of it. Mm-hmm. Cause the the what is it the dopamine feedback loops you guys have been on it for for some time now yeah do you feel like you have less of a addiction to to it or like attachment to it than the ordinary person mm, no I don't think I'm any better or worse but I do think it depends I my use of social media is very much like i know everybody on instagram that i follow mm -hmm. like it's it's no strangers it's no randoms it's like kind of rare. yeah yeah because and then it's also like people complaining about instagram like oh this sucks like i don't want to see unfollow them like you know you you decide who you follow and like you know it's literally so your space it's your space it's your aria like that's so true yeah like it do some do some housekeeping or just do what i mean it's your space it, sh it should be what you want it to be and like i don't know man uh but for people who are listening to this my one piece of advice is put your account on private unless you unless you have to for like your job or if you're you know A if that's your income creative. stream yeah put your account on private dude yeah and, and don't follow people you don't like yeah that's so true that's so true there's a lot of weirdos out there um i'm scared it's like if you are standing and then a lot of people are looking at you that you don't know i don't know it's scary panopticon yeah i don't know if i could put my account on private um actually i tried to do it the other day but i couldn't figure out how to turn off the creator setting so <laughs> i gave up also i don't really go on instagram that often anymore so um yeah i don't know i don't think about it it's like i post and I did don't you think meet about it. your government mandated content creator quota i did i posted uh, I, I posted two stories last night 
Hell yeah. Go check him out. Speaking of speaking of Instagram, you should definitely go follow us on Instagram at Death by Nuance. And Just check us out. Cool stuff coming. I won't go into details, but just know that there's stuff to to come. Yeah, to come. I mean, we, we want to, like, post updates and, like, just general promo and, like, memes and such. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're coming up on our time. Time to wrap up. But, um, yeah, this is, uh, we, we didn't really go into this episode with, like, a strict plan or like something that we really wanted to talk about we just kind of wanted to like dip our little toes in the water yes and um kind of like just give you a bit of a microdose microdose yeah i think that's a good word for what's to come we touched on a lot of stuff uh definitely we're gonna do more like focused deep dives into some of the stuff we talked about because that's the whole point uh exploring the various dimensions of a topic yeah of modern existence today was just a little test run and also an an introduction to who we are and what kind of things we're thinking about um for sure yeah, and we're going to keep it fun and flirty and light, and but also hardcore and dark, and we won't spare any, you know, major topics. So, yeah, definitely follow us on Instagram at Death by Nuance, and then, like, send us messages if you have any questions. We want to make it, like, hopefully interactive in the future, um, if we Call can get. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, like, advice. Put us on the spot. Where do you stand on the... Uh, russian invasion of ukraine oh dude we could do a whole episode on that (laughs) alone damn podcasting really dries out your throat it really does yeah also this is is not vocal fry i'm just dehydrated it's just dehydration oh i don't even know if i can if i'm being heard um to the best of this mic's ability because i'm kind of laying down right now dude you're you're over your diaphragm is getting no air. <laughs> yeah, my diaphragm is getting no air. I'm like struggling, but um, it's comfortable. So I can't even see Haj anymore. Oh. But yeah, I guess should we wrap up then? Yeah, we should. Outro. Yeah. Outro moments. Outro. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Peace. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Love you. Goodbye.